This morning, uh, we're going to be uh, continuing a series that we began last week called Raised with Christ. So as we are nearing uh, the Easter season, as we're nearing this season where we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we're taking four weeks to talk about just that, that Christ has raised from the dead and that changes absolutely everything. Last week, Pastor Tim uh, began this series by talking about how the resurrection is central to the Christian message. It's not just something that is tacked on. It's not just like, well, Jesus died on the cross and, well, we got to have a happy ending. He also raised from the dead. It's not insignificant. It is central to what it means to be a Christian. It is central to the gospel message. In fact, the gospel is really not complete unless we're talking about Jesus raised from the dead. Paul in 1 Corinthians, one, the Apostle Paul writing to this church in chapter 15, he goes so far as, as to say, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then your faith is in vain. Then, we, we, then Jesus is just some guy who, who died and, and it doesn't mean anything for you. But if he did raise from the grave, rise from the grave, then it means he truly is the Son of God and your salvation is real and your faith is firm. So this week, we're going to continue talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for us, right? how it secures new life for us. But today, I'm I'm going to talk about a specific aspect of that, and that is how the resurrection of Jesus secures our future. Really, particularly this idea that someday, us who are in Christ will rise from the grave with bodies just like Jesus. And I'm going to begin by saying that for a, t- for a time in my, in my early Christian life, I didn't really know what to do with the resurrection, all these passages. I didn't really know what to think about it. I went to, um, uh, for a lot of my formative years through middle school and high school, I went to a very evangelistic youth group and church. It was a mega church. And, uh, and really hundreds of kids came to Christ through the, through the preaching that we did there and through the, the ministry of this youth group. And, and we did altar calls. You may have heard, you know, every, every eye closed, every head bowed, and, you know, raised that hand. And we did those things. Uh, we, we preached a simple gospel message that focused on this simple offer that, that Jesus loves you, that he died for your sins, and that if you believe in him, you'll be forgiven and you'll go to heaven when you die. I mean, I heard that message time and time and time again. You know what? I love that message. That is the gospel of Christ, and I still say amen to that. But I, I, it was really kind of a, I would say, like a narrow discussion of the gospel. It always kind of ended with that, that if you believe in Jesus, when you die, you'll go to heaven. And it kind of stopped there, right? And that's the one that I heard again and again and again. And to that extent, I, I, didn't, I really thought that hearing the gospel was about, well, we're, we're going to just discard this body, right, that is, is dying and is, is, you know, corrupted because of sin. And the whole point is to go to heaven when you die. The body is really just temporary. It's your earth suit. There was even a Christian band, I think, called Earth Suit, <laughs> I think, back in the 90s. Um, so with that in mind, that's kind of where my, my gospel understanding ended. When you die, you go to heaven. So I didn't really know what to do with like the second coming of Christ. I remember thinking like, well, I know it's, it's going to happen, but I mean, what's the point? I mean, we're already in heaven, right? So why is Jesus even coming back for? Now, I knew there was some like end time stuff that was confusing, so I just didn't even really think about it too much. 
But then I also didn't know what to do with all these verses that talk about resurrection. I almost, I think I mentally like just kind of like ignored them or didn't know what to do with them. Like, why would we come back to life in our bodies? Isn't the whole point to be a spirit in heaven forever? Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the gospel? Some of you may kind of be in the same boat. You don't really know what to do with the resurrection. You don't know what it's for. You don't understand it. don't know why it's such a big deal. Why, why Paul and the apostles and Jesus promise it and talk about it. And I, and I know this is a big topic, but I want you to understand really today that the gospel isn't complete, that God's plan of salvation is not complete for you when you die and go to heaven, but when Jesus returns and resurrects your body in glory. God's plan for your salvation is whole and entire. His redemptive work is not just for your soul, it's for your body too. Because our Savior is a powerful Savior. And so we're going to talk about that today. The resurrection in the future is the great hope for Christians. Would you pray with me? Father, as we talk about something that is so near to your heart Lord, an aspect of salvation that angels are longing for, that all creation, in Romans 8 says, is yearning for. Lord, that you have been longing to send your son again to raise up your sons and daughters in glory. As we talk about that today, God, I I just ask for your help. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would help us to deal with this weighty topic, Lord, with the appropriate reverence and joy and faith. God, help us to look upon your wondrous plans with awe and give you glory. And Lord, whatever we're suffering with or struggling with now, God, help us to look to the resurrection with hope. Help us to look to Christ. Bless us, Lord, in in these minutes that we talk. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going to do some background here. And talk about, you know, as we're going to, before we go into what the resurrection is going to look like, we're going to talk about what the resurrection body is going to be like and the hope that comes with it. But let's do some backstory and talk about why, we, why it's even part of God's plan. Why is this such a big deal? So let's begin by talking about the reason for the resurrection. We go all the way back to Genesis and see that when God made man, it says in Genesis 2 verse 7, that the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. After God made the rest of creation, he made the sun and the moon and the stars, and he separated the waters and the sky, he created day and night, he made plants, vegetation, he made animals, and on his last, he capped off his creative work by creating humanity. He formed the first man from the dust, we're told. And, but he did something unique with him. Rather than just commanding, you know, like he did the rest of creation, just commanding him to existence, he breathed into him the breath of life and made him a living being. God made, made us, made mankind for the earth and from the earth. But he gave us a specific purpose, right, that he did not give to any other creature. He said, I'm going to make mankind unique. They're going to be made in my image, male and female like me, in a way that that carries dignity because I have a special task. I'm going to put mankind in charge of my creation 
to spread my glory, to do my will, to have dominion and rule over the world. So it's not this chaotic place ruled by you know, plants and animals, but by my image bearers. And so God made us, and I want to point out that we are physical beings. We are not unlike the rest of creation. We're made from a lot of the similar stuff. So on a purely natural or even chemical level, we share much in common biologically with the rest of creation. I, I, uh, I did what a little Google search to see, like, what are we made of? What kind of stuff are we made of? What it says we're made from the dust. And I read that over 96% of our human body mass is really made up uh, of four elements. Calcium, oh, never mind, <laughs> that's the sixth one. Uh, oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, and nitrogen. All stuff that you can find in soil and in, in some of that even in our atmosphere. And there's the other 4% includes things like calcium, sodium, potassium, sulfur, and a few other things. But, but really, like, that's just basic stuff that even like plants and animals and soil, like, God made us from the dust. He made us out of similar stuff. But we're endowed with greater capacities. We have greater dignity, right? We, we have dominion, but we also have bodies that are powerful to accomplish God's will on the earth, things that he has not even given the, the, the highest order of animals. But we're not purely material beings, right? You do have a body, but there's also another part of you, an immaterial part of you. The Bible uses two words that are pretty much interchangeable. Sometimes they'll use one word, soul, or another times they'll use another word, spirit, but it's not because those are different, completely different aspects that they maybe have a different emphasis. But you have a spiritual part of you. You're a spiritual creature in a way that even the highest order of animal is not. So you are made in the image of your creator and you have the capacity to do things that nothing in the rest of creation can. You have the capacity to, uh, to love, to, to reason, to ponder the future and to make future plans and see them come to, to pass. You can create art, culture, music. We, we have, a, we have a, a will. We have a sense of morality and beauty. We have a sense of things that are invisible and spiritual. We can commune with and worship God, something that nothing else in physical creation can do. And so you see that we are different, right? Animals are purely physical creatures, right? And, and, and we're, we're higher than that. I, I got to share this story real quick just to show, okay, animals, they're kind of dumb. I, I, I can, and I'll share this because my, uh, I, was, I offered to... Uh, I was texting my wife last night and I, to pick up uh, her father-in-law, my father-in-law from, from work, and I said, hey, you know, I, I, when I leave youth group, I'll go ahead and do that so you, you can stay at home. And she goes, that's a good idea because we brought Parker, our, our puppy, uh, in the van with us, and, uh, and he pooped in the van. And then he stepped in it. And then he jumped on all the seats. Like all, and then he wrapped his, you know, and it's like all that, you're like, I'm so glad the Lord did not put puppies in charge of the earth because it would not go well, right? We share things in common with animals, but we are so much more, even though we're made of similar stuff. We are not like animals. We're, we're more than that, but we're also not like angels or demons, purely spiritual. Human beings are this interesting blend of physical and spiritual, body and soul. However, though, persons are a unified whole, okay? We got to be careful we don't divide those too much, too, too separately. 
We don't say like, oh, I'm, I'm body and you know, I'm soul and those are far apart. No, you are a unified whole. And guys, God was well pleased to make you that way. Human beings are said to be made in God's image in a way that nothing else in his creative work is. And he made you special. And God did something unique and wonderful and good in making us this way. That's why he said, it is very good when he made mankind in his image. He delighted to make us that way. Body and soul unified as one. And so it should be no surprise that when sin entered the world and the consequences that sin brought, it affected us and affected all of us. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, from it you shall not eat. For on the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. God gave a warning, and it, and it, was, it was a test of obedience. Of all the good things that God gave to man, all the trees of the garden, all the good uh, purposes that he gave him, he did put this there as a test for man. Will you willingly obey me? And there was the warning right there. It wasn't hidden. He said, you will surely die. Our first parents, as you know the story, they, they did sin. They did break that command. They were tempted into doing so, but they still volitionally said, I'm going to take my future into my own hands. And it wasn't just like, you know, when you have a kid that like spills the milk or, or, you know, or it makes a mistake. Oops, I didn't mean to. No, sin is a volitional, willing disregard for the creator of the universe. And so they suffered the consequence of sin, which is death. Romans 6.23 tells us this. It says, for the wages of sin is death. God, God tells us that there is a just punishment. It's not, you know, when we sin, there, there's punishments for, for everything, right? In, whether it's, you know, in the law, whether it's in our own households, whether it's in a classroom, there, there are, is a just punishment for, for different areas of disobedience. So what do we do with sin? God doesn't put us in time out. He doesn't just smack our hand. He doesn't just, you know, take away our screens. He doesn't, you know, put us in exile. The punishment for cosmic treason is always death. And so death entered mankind that day, and they felt the effects of it, and church, congregation, we're still feeling those effects today. They died, death entered humanity a couple ways. One, there was a spiritual death, right? This idea that they entered into rebellion against God and something fundamentally shifted in the hearts of mankind. We became hardened towards God, separated from Him, cold to the things of God. We lack the desire, the willingness, even the ability to obey God. God. Ephesians 2 says it's not just that we're sick, it's that our hearts are dead and cold toward the things of God. We have an unwilling spirit towards him. So there's a spiritual death, right? But there's also a physical death. And even though Adam and Eve didn't die that day, God said on the day you will surely die, they did die spiritually, but they began to die physically. We've all experienced this. In fact, you're experiencing it right now if you're in this room. Your body is dying. 
And that, sometimes that's hard to believe, especially when you're young. But once you get to like a certain age, you start feeling it. And we'll talk more about that later on. But our bodies are begin to fall apart. And we know that it shouldn't be this way. We fight against it, right? We fight against we, we There comes a time in our life where we're like, well, I really need to eat right. I need to get in shape. And my metabolism is slowing down. And, you know, and... And maybe we start trying to do things to make ourselves appear young, right? And because there's this unrelenting siege against our bodies that we can't stop. Physical death is one of the consequences of sin. And then thirdly, there's even more. There's eternal death that waits. This, this final judgment, this final punishment that will condemn a person, body and soul, to hell forever. So, like, sin has incredible punishments, right? Incredible um, consequences. Sin ruined and corrupted all of God's work and all of God's good design for you. And this is what I want you to catch from this. that The problem with sin is it didn't just affect your spirit. It wasn't just like your mind or your heart. It, it has affected and corrupted all of you, your body, your soul, and your future. It has ruined everything. And so, praise God, God's plan is to redeem you from all of it. God isn't going to let sin win. He isn't going to let death reign and, have, and let his creation crumble. God's will will be done. So, no, only God can fix this mess that we made, that we're in. We can't. We can't undo what's been done. We, we can't stave off or do away with death. No, no technology, no medicine, no diet, no spiritual exercise, no good works. Nothing that we do can, can stop this. But God can. The human race as a whole has fallen into rebellion and is dying, but God would not let us face the consequences he himself took on our sin. He himself sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. See, because I said the punishment for sin is death. Somebody has to pay that. And so there's really kind of two options. One is that we pay for it, right? We did the crime. We face the death that our own sins deserve. God didn't change the rules. The gospel is not that God just all of a sudden said, okay, I'm just going to just do away with that punishment. That's not at all, because that would be unjust. Instead, God said, this punishment will be paid. But instead of you paying for it, I'll pay for it. I will send my own beloved son, who has done no sin, who has done no, no wrong, and I will send him to the cross for you, and he will die. He will die the death that your sins deserve. So that, that punishment is paid in full. And God's plan then, it says, you know what? And I'm going to raise my son from the grave so death will not conquer him. And it will not conquer you either. And so Jesus makes a way for you to have salvation. God's plan is not just to get your spirit to heaven. God says, I'm going to save you body and soul. I'm going to bring your spirit, I'm going to give you a brand new spirit. The Bible says there's something called being born again, being regenerated, that God actually removes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, that God gives us a new, uh, puts a new spirit within us. 
That by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be justified. This future death that we face will be declared not guilty. And he also promises that someday our bodies will be resurrected. And so Romans 6, 5 says this, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And this is the hope. This is the promise of the gospel. It's not just you go to heaven when you die, but there's so much more. God's plan of salvation is total, is to complete, is to completely reverse all that sin has done to you, to your body and your soul and your future. And I, I, by the way, I know all of that is just very like heavy and theological, but I want you to hear that. God offers a salvation that is not in part but in whole. It's a total redemption, and only he can do it. And some of you maybe are are right now like wrestling with that. If you're in Christ, all of that's for you. All of that is yours, and it's yours now. Like you're experiencing the joy of that salvation right now. But God said there is one way out of this. I've given my son. I did not withhold my own son because I love you. And I will save you, and I will give you eternal life. When sin has only given you death, I will give you life. And if you have the Son, you have life now and forever, and there's even more to come. But if you do not have the Son, I'm sad to say, like, you do not have life. And that death that sin deserves, it's yours to pay. But here's the thing, you don't have to pay it. God is so good. God is so gracious. God, God has made a free gift of it and said, hey, trust in my son. He'll do it all. He didn't say trust in my son and you do your part. No, trust in my son. He will get you here. It is free. Will you trust him? Why should you have to pay for your own sins when God has given you an amazing, powerful Savior? Do some work today. If you need to, just bow your head even now and say, God, will you save me? Will you give me this new life? Will you save me from my sin and from the death that I deserve? Because the glory is is that someday you will rise from your grave and that you will have a new body and a new spirit and you will be perfect just like Jesus Christ. And I'm going to transition now and talk about that's kind of why we need to be resurrected because God is not fit just to save our spirits. He wants to redeem the bodies that he made that he's proud of, right? When he created us, he made us body and soul. He's going to save us body and soul. So let's talk about the nature of the resurrection. 1 John 3, 2 says that, you know, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, that's Jesus, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. What's it going to be like when we're resurrected? It's nice to, to, to think about it, right? But the scripture almost, this is the answer it gives. Like, you know, it doesn't give us a lot of details, but it says it's going to be awesome. And you're going to be like Jesus Christ when he rose from the grave. But let, let's first talk about when this is going to happen. Well, we do know, before we describe the resurrection, let's talk about what happens when you die. Right now, when, you, when somebody dies, their physical body dies and it returns to the dust. All those composite elements I was talking about, we begin to deteriorate and our bodies decompose and break down very quickly, actually, down to the base elements from which we're made. From dust we were made to dust we return. 
So your body dies, but your soul does not. That immaterial, spiritual side of you continues on. You do not go to sleep. You're not unconscious. You continue to exist. And everyone upon death goes to the throne of Christ. Hebrews 9.27, we just talked about Hebrews. It says this, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So we don't stick around on earth. We're not ghosts. When you die, your spirit goes to be before Christ, and you will face him. And those who have not trusted in Christ will stand before him, and they will hear a terrible decree. Like there, there is no worse news you could possibly hear than this, than the Lord of creation, the Savior who gave his life, saying, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The Bible tells us that they will enter into eternal judgment out of the glory, the peace, the fellowship that was available in Jesus Christ, separated from God forever, given over to our sinful impulses, never to be released from them, just always and forever dealing with the consequences of sin and death. However, those who have trusted in Christ and his saving work will hear amazing words, well done, good and faithful servant. servant. And you will, and will enter into the gates of glory, not because, oh, you were a good person and you did everything right and you went to church and you gave money and you helped people and you were a kind neighbor. No, no, because you trusted in Christ to do it all. You trusted in his death and resurrection. You'll be welcomed into heaven and enjoy fellowship with God, with the angels, with all the saints of glory, Moses and Paul and, and, and Peter and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Abraham and your grandparents and, and all the saints who have, who have believed in Christ for generations past. But I want you to understand that is not the end. Theologians call this the intermediate period, meaning it's, 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 a, it's, it's a temporary time period between when Christ first came and when he's returning. Because God made you to have a body. If we, when, when we are just purely spiritual, we are not fully what we're supposed to be. So that is an awesome thing. It's going to be rest. It's going to be joy, but it's not complete. Rather, that time will end when Christ returns, the second coming. At the second coming, the spirits of all who are dead will reunite with their bodies. John five twenty eight and 29 says, An hour is coming when all who are in their tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Texts like these and also Matthew 25 and Acts 24 indicate that this seems to be one event, right? However, there, it is different in kind. The resurrection of the just or the saved will be glorious. It will be a resurrection unto life, a resurrection body like Christ. The resurrection of the unjust will end ultimately with condemnation as a whole person forever. Now, there's more to say about the end times and stuff. We did a seminar uh, just last year. You can look it up on our website. But when the final judgment is complete, this is, this is the neat thing, when the final judgment is complete, then salvation, then God's plan for salvation really is, is kind of done. All evil, all causes of evil, all death, all sin will be removed finally and forever. There won't be a trace of darkness There'll be a trace of evil, a trace of death or sin. It'll all be completely removed from God's kingdom. 
The Bible says there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Like creation will be amazing. Right? Romans 8 talks about how even the earth, even the world itself, which is given to like earthquakes and hurricanes and, and weeds and hail and just things falling apart, that creation will be released from the curse and it will finally be a paradise. And those who are resurrected in Christ will dwell on the earth forever. So you will have a physical body forever. It's encouraging to know that if nothing else, like there is a happy ending to the story. Like the Bible is not just a series of rules. It's not just uh, some principles for life. Like this is the story. This is the story of life, the story of reality, the story of history, and it does have a happy ending for those who belong to God because it's his story. And so there will be a paradise. There will be a happy ending. There will be God winning. And oh my goodness, when there's so much evil in the world and so much disappointment and so much frustration and so much wickedness that we can just see and point out so much disease and war and just godlessness, you know, and just, it's frustrating. Like this is God's world. And it just seems like his will constantly seems to be thwarted, seems to be. But it will not always be that way. God's will will be done. His name will be glorified. His people will dwell on his earth forever, uncontested in glory. So what will the resurrection body be like? Let's quickly look at Scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have, there's some blue Bibles in the back. I think it's page 961. If you want to follow along, I'm going to read starting in verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul writes, But some of you will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of he the heavenly is of one kind. The glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, what goes into the ground, is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. And if there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last Adam, that's Jesus, a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man came from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. As is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. There's a lot said there, right? Basically, he's saying, like, for those of you who are in Adam, those of us who were all born with a nature like Adam's, 
you know, our first parent, the first man, and he had a body of flesh that died and was subject to sin and death. But the second Adam, the new humanity, is based on Christ. And if you are in Christ, you, when you resurrect, you'll have a body like his and not like Adam's. So we don't know fully what the resurrection is going to be like. We have some hints here, but we do know we'll be like Christ in our resurrected bodies. Right now, our bodies are subject to weakness, but our resurrection bodies will be glorious. So a couple things here. First of all, I want to point out this. When Christ comes back, Christian, you were raised from the dead, it'll be your body that comes back. The body that you're wearing right now, I say wearing kind of jokingly, but the body that you're in, sitting down in, that's breathing right now, it'll be that body. For some of you, you're like, whew, that's good to know. Some of you are like, really? Can I get an upgrade? (laughs) You know? But no, it'll be your body, not an approximation of your body, not a carbon copy of your body, not a facsimile. It's not a replacement or a substitute of you, but you. You, This current body that you will reside in, but it will be raised from glory, in glory. And why is this important? Why can't God just give you a replacement? Well, because your body is not just an accessory. It's not like a car, a vehicle that you just buy in it, or your house, that it, it's just there to serve you and you can do whatever you want with it because it's just this temporary thing you're going to get rid of anyway. No, it, God made you body and soul. Your body is you. It's your, it identifies who you are. It's, and I, I honestly think that this is something we misunderstand in our generation. It's causing a lot of havoc because we don't understand it. We can put too much division between our body and our spirit. So Christians, you would do well to remember that God made you. He he gave you your body and that is you. And sin is what destroyed that and death is what afflicts that. And Christ is going to overcome that. He's going to save you and not provide you with something different. He's going to save your body. It does not matter, honestly, what condition your body goes into the grave. Whether your decomposition is complete, because you're like, what about people who died like thousands of years ago? Like, we can't find their bodies, okay? Or someone who died in a fire or, or something else, right? Well, don't worry. God formed the first man from the dust. He can find every particle that was you and put it back together. He, there's, he, and the thing is, God cares deeply about this. Okay, he cares deeply about this part of your salvation. It is your body that will resurrect. But not exactly the same as your body is now, okay? So if you die in exceeding age or with a lot of pain or a lot of brokenness or, or anything like that, like you're not going to come back and be like the walking dead, okay? You're not going to come back like a zombie. You're not going to come back and be like, if I come back like I am now and I'm like this forever, like I'm in pain. Like I, I'd rather be younger. I'd rather be... Well, Corinthians says that, you know, there are some differences. Looking at verses 42 through 44, it says, Praise God, it will be you, but much better, right? It says what is sown, really when you sow seeds, you put them in the ground. When your body goes in the ground, you you go in imperishable. But when when you are raised, you will be imperishable. You will have a physical body eternally, but no longer subject to decay. No longer uh, need, no being, uh, can be injured. A body that will no longer be susceptible to illness. I have a son right now who's, who's sick at home. No longer subject to death. 
Your body will never age or weaken or get unhealthy or sick. Can you just imagine that? Some of you were like, I haven't been sick for like a year. But like we brag about that. But like you will never get sick again. You will never get hurt and injured again. You will be everlasting. Do I know how that's going to work? Not a clue. The Bible says we'll be imperishable though. Your body will be glorious, not dishonorable. Sin sin really marred the image of God. Immediately after we sinned, we were originally naked and unashamed. Immediately when they sinned, we like, "Uh uh-oh, got to cover up, got to put clothes on, got to, you know, cover ourselves with leaves, and that's why we're wearing clothes today, right? We're not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be wise and righteous and good and dignified and powerful, ruling over God's creation, but what has sin done? It's made us pathetic and foolish and shameful and meager, Unable to fulfill our God-given purposes. Right now, we look like our first father, Adam, right? But we will look like Christ, glorious, truly human. The resurrection body is, is not like a Superman. It's humanity as it's supposed to be. Hear that. This is not how humanity is supposed to be. This is brokenness. This is fallenness, right? but this is normal to us. Death is not normal. We say it's natural because it happens to all of us and happens to everything. It's not supposed to. Life eternal should be the natural order of things, and we will finally be humanity as God intended it. We'll be powerful, not given to weakness. Right now, we're subject to weakness, limited by our own nature. We are easily tempted. We're easily lured into sinful habits, and we're easily lured into addictions, right? We're so dependent upon so many things. We struggle with self-control. We make poor decisions. We, don't under, we, don't, we lack knowledge. We don't know how to do things. Yet we still are supposed to have dominion on the world, but we're unwise because of sin. We're weak. We're unfit. Man, we're going to be raised in power raised to be wise, raised in glory, raised knowledgeable, able to actually do the will of God. It's going to be awesome. Lastly, it says we're going to be spiritual, not natural. This does not mean that you're going to have like a a, a see-through body. It just means that, hey, your body, you know, an Adam came from the dust, but Christ came from heaven. We're going to have a glorified body like Christ's. It will be physical, but it will be like Christ's body raised from the grave. You'll have a heavenly nature, not an earthly sinful nature. And the Bible doesn't tell us too much more about it, but we know that all the angels of heaven are eagerly awaiting it, that they're excited about it, that the saints who are in heaven right now, the Christians that you love who have died and are with Christ right now, they are looking forward to it. Christ is looking forward to it. And we should as well, because this is the hope that we have. Let's look lastly at the hope of the resurrection. All of this has been an explanation of what it's going to be like, but I really want you to know this. This is more than just being informative. You know, I hope that's encur- that stuff is encouraging to you and has clarified some things, but I want this to be the thing that you hope in and the thing that you look to. A couple things I want to turn your attention to. One is that your healing will be complete. Your body will be complete. Uh, I, I turned 39 in a few weeks, so I'm approaching 40. Some of you know what that means. You're laughing right now. <laughs> You're like, just wait. Right? My mom used to warn me that she's like, oh, your metabolism's going to slow down when you're, when you're getting close to 40. I'm like, yeah, right. She's not lying. Right? I, I, I love, praise God, I get paid to play dodgeball with your sons and daughters 
and, 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 hit your, and hit them with dodgeballs and disciple them in Christ. Okay. But, you know, to play games and, and do that, but I'm not going to lie, I, I, I've started to lose my fastball, right? And uh, I can't dodge dodgeballs as, as, as quickly anymore. And I come home and, uh, and I take Advil, okay, as, like a, as a matter of course, like youth ministry is fueled on prayer and Advil uh, and lots of coffee. In a few years, probably around 35, I started kind of noticing it. You know, like, I'm, I'm not as fast as I used to be. And, and some of you have probably noticed that too, right? So, some of you moms, if you've, if you've had multiple kids, like, you know, like each kid is like harder on your body, right? And men, you've noticed that. I remember, like, playing, like, at my old church, you know, I was playing football with, you know, I'm in my 20s playing football with some, you know, some students in the, in the parking lot after, after church, and one of, the, one of the men who was just over middle age came out, and he's like, oh, this is great, I'm going to have a chance to throw the football with him. I threw, like, three times, and he's like, yep, I'm done, and he left, and I was like, oh, that's going to be me someday, <laughs> and he was okay with it, because he, he was used to, like, no, this, this is what naturally happens, but, you know, our bodies have been falling apart the whole time. I think like what, like 25 is supposed to be like the peak of like your body's efficiency at like, at like um, healing and regenerating cells and all, all the things that your body does. And that process begins to slow down year by year, day by day. And as, I, as you approach middle age and beyond, you begin experiencing challenges to your health. Diminished capacity. You, you, man, you, you just can't lift as much as anymore. Like, man, I'm going to help somebody move. And you're like, oh, these boxes are heavier. You're not as fast as you used to be. You know, but it's not just physically, like your memory starts going, right? And I can't remember anything, so that is not encouraging to me, right? That you just, the things that you've learned, you start losing. You can't remember people's names anymore. Your eye start, eyesight starts failing. Your ear, your ability to hear starts feel, uh, failing you. You start getting really susceptible to injury, okay, and, and, and sickness and fatigue, you maybe start experiencing chronic pain. There's things that like, you're like, I went for a walk and got injured, right? Like things just start falling apart. Maybe, you, maybe you're in a situation where like right now, you're like, I have a chronic pain in my life and it's probably not going away. And I'm just stuck with it. I'm gonna walk with a hobble or I've got a bad shoulder or I've got a spinal issue that's not going away or I've got headaches or it can just be other things like, oh, your, your hair is, is, is falling out. Or you can't speak the way that you used to. Maybe you have a debilitating medical condition. Or maybe you have mental health issues, right? Our bodies and our minds are afflicted, devastated by sins. And, and here's the thing, it's, it's not, and the solution is not just, well, I'm going to discard this useless thing and go to heaven forever as a spirit. No, the, God will cure all of those things, every last one of them. Every last affliction you could possibly have, Christ died and raised so that it would not afflict you anymore. And that you will, your body someday will be free from all of that. You will be raised with Christ. And, and sometimes right now we pray, we're like, God, would you heal me? And I, I've been a part of that as an elder. We've, we've laid hands on people and prayed for them. We've, we've uh, anointed people with oil and prayed for them. And praise God. Some of you have experienced that. Like sometimes, by God's grace, he heals us right now. Like he heals us of affliction. Sometimes miraculously, like it's gone. Like this, this pain that I had, this, this condition that I had is gone. But sometimes he doesn't. You never wonder about that. Like God, 
why do you let me suffer? Why did you put this thorn in my side? And Paul himself wrestled with that. We don't know what it was. It could have been, some people think it might have been his eyesight that failed. And he's writing, supposed to be writing epistles, right? And he's traveling over and all of a sudden his eyesight fails. But it could have been something else. And the Apostle Paul prayed three times, God, would you take this away from me? And, and probably not because he's being selfish, like so I can you know, run and jump. It's like, so I can do ministry. And God said, no, Paul, I'm not going to take it from you. But so that you'll know that my grace is sufficient. Because I'm, I'm not going to take this from you. But I'm not going to take my spirit from you either. And you're going to be weak, but I will make you strong. And I want you to understand that this doesn't mean God's unfaithful. God will heal everything. He may heal it now, temporarily, but the healing that God promises is in the resurrection. You will be raised with Christ. And if you pray right now, don't lose heart if that pain doesn't go away because God has not forgotten you. God has not ignored your prayer. He has said, yes, just wait. Just wait. And I think that if you come with that mindset, then, that you, hey, this is paid for. That I will have a resurrection body someday and this will be part of it. Allow that to give you the patience that you need. Trust in that. Say, you know what? This, temporary, this is temporary. Everything, every affliction, cavities, cancer, hair loss, memory loss, diverticulitis, arthritis, obesity, scoliosis, paralysis, vision loss, gout, headaches, canker sores, infections, more, depression. Praise God that depression is going to the grave and will never come out. And you will never be sad again. You will never wake up unto darkness again. You will rise in glory. Some of you are even facing death now. Some of you know it and you haven't told anybody or you're going to get a phone call in the next few months or few years that you have a condition or sickness that eventually is going to take your life. Or maybe your parents are, somebody you love. Maybe you're just an advanced age and you're having difficulty getting around a, dis, a decreased quality of life and it's frustrating. If you're suffering right now, yes, pray God would heal you. But know that he calls you um, to have patience sometimes because your healing is on its way. And he can't wait. Know that your healing is certain. That even if you have 20 more years of aches and pains you, and you, there's have days you don't want to get out of bed or can't get out of bed, hope in the resurrection. God will heal you fully and finally and forever. He will cover it all. And I love what Paul says in Romans 8, 18. The sweet verse, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us. Last word, I, I think that this, this message of the resurrection has a, a particular point of, 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 it's a good gospel touch point for this generation. Because we have a time right now, I think, where a lot of us are struggling. Just, I don't feel at home in my body. That's a real thing. Many in this generation are wrestling with our identity. You know, this idea of a body and spirit almost feel like they're two separate things. Even though God made us whole, but sin adds blindness, sin brings confusion, sin brings death and destruction to our very identities. And yeah, our bodies do feel alien to us. They don't feel right. It feels like, like they're not what they should be. We feel alienated from our own, our own bodies. Guys, you know what this, the resurrection teaches us? That God cares about you, not just your inside. God cares about your body. 
And God cares that you're struggling, if, if that is you or someone you know, that you're struggling with your body, right? Not feeling at home in it. And, and sin has wrecked it, and only God can restore it. And he will. God will resurrect you in glory so that you have a body you feel at home at that's glorious, that feels like home forever. That's a powerful point of the gospel. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as I kind of give this, 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 this last encouragement. The cross and the empty tomb are not just an escape plan, right? They signify something greater, a greater reality. There's something new coming. The death, the death of the old and the hope of the new. The Bible tells us that God will soon send his son to right every wrong, to put evil to the grave, and it will never rise again, but you will. He will raise you up in eternal life and glory if you are united by Christ, united with Christ in faith. Guys, just, there's, there's a new heaven and a new earth that will be of such beauty and glory and joy and peace. Can you just imagine it? And in Christ, you'll be part of it. And you will have bodies fit for it. And God will dwell with you because that's the covenant promise. I will be your God. You'll be my people forever and ever. The Garden of Eden, the promised land were just hints, just previews. So hope in the resurrection of Christ. Pray with me. Lord God, we do give you praise for this is your good news. God, that there is a day when you will come and you will raise us up and you will put all the sin and death and sickness and pain and sorrow and darkness away and you will put it in the grave and we will be with you and have eternal life with you, life to the fullest. We will truly understand what it means to be human beings made in the image of God. You will set us free from darkness and pain and sadness and temptation. And God, we look forward to that day. We don't understand all that it's gonna be. But God, help us to look with the eyes of faith. Help us, Lord, to yearn for that day, to eagerly anticipate that day, to look with eyes of faith to the coming of Christ. And Lord, let us, now, for those of us who are suffering, who struggle with all the some things we mentioned earlier, Lord, the consequences of sin and death. Lord, we're struggling in our bodies right now. Oh God, give us patience. Give us hope. Give us peace. Give us grace and strength to get through our days looking, Lord, to not what is right in front of us, Lord, but looking to the day when Christ relieves us of all these sufferings and gives us joy. We ask your blessing in the name of Christ. Amen.